So if you grab your, your Bible or the, the Pew Bible near you and turn to page 871, uh, we're looking today at Luke chapter 12, verse 35 to 48. And this entire section in Luke, as, as we've been saying, uh, is focusing on this theme of, of final judgment. And so it's, it's many weeks in this, this passage where it keeps coming back every week to that there's, there's judgment coming, the, the Lord is in control. And so how do we frame and orient our, our lives today in light of future reality? And so Jesus is continuing that same train of thought here in, in this passage. So uh, again, this is uh, Luke chapter 12. And I'll begin reading in verse 35. Stay dressed for action and keep your lamps burning. Be like men who are waiting for their master to come home from the wedding feast, so they may open the door to him at once when he comes and knocks. Blessed are those servants whom the master finds awake when he comes. Truly, I say to you, he will dress himself for service and have them recline at table, and he will come and serve them. If he comes in the second watch or in the third and finds them awake, blessed are those servants. But know this, that if the master of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have left the house to be broken in, into. You also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. And Peter said, Lord, are you telling this parable for us or for all? And the Lord said, Who then is the faithful and wise manager, whom his master will set over his household to give uh, then the portion of food at the proper time. Blessed is that servant whom the master will find so doing when he comes. Truly, I say to you, he will set him over all his possessions. But if that servant says to himself, my master is delayed in coming and begins to meet, beat the male and female servants and to eat and drink and get drunk, the master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him and at an hour he does not know and will cut him in pieces and put him with the unfaithful. And the servant who knew his master's will but did not get ready or act according to his will will receive a severe beating. But the one who did not know and did what was deserving a beating will receive a light beating. Everyone to whom much was given of him, much will be required. And from him to whom they entrusted much, they will demand the more. This is the word of God. Let's pray. Lord, we desire to understand your word. We desire not to misapply, not to uh, apply it 
uh, the wrong way, to understand it the wrong way. Lord, we pray that your spirit would guide us um, and illuminate your word to our hearts and lives. And we pray in Jesus' name. So there are, are lots of ways in life where it's important to be ready. And actually, I was talking with, with Brian, and I think as most of you know, he's a, is an airline pilot. And, and he was telling me, and I'll probably explain it partly wrong. I, I had him tell me several times, so I would say it accurately. But, uh, but he was saying that there's times where he's on reserve as a pilot. And so he has to be ready in those periods to, to fly. And he could get two hours of notice. And he, he has to be down to fly, g- getting ready in two hours. And, and so he was saying that, that in those periods, he has to be ready. He has to be, be rested. Um, he can't go over two hours away from the Philadelphia airport. Sometimes he'll have his bag packed. He has to be ready. But it, the, it's the same idea for us spiritually, that, that we have to be ready spiritually at a moment's notice. And you say, well, what are we ready for all of the time? And as morbid as it sounds, we're, we're always ready for the end. I mean, because you can think of, of different scenarios. You can think of yourself getting in your car, driving home after this service, and suddenly you see Christ coming in the glory of power of heaven to judge the living and, and the dead. And you think, am I ready? Or you, you were driving home after the service and the semi-truck is coming in your lane, and you think, Am I ready? That that's the, the great question that each and every one of us confronts all of the time, whether we know it or not. Am I ready? And that's what this passage is about from the book of Luke, that Jesus is calling us to be ready, and to be ready all the time. And, and, and so we'll look at this in, in three sections. Be ready constantly. Be ready expectantly and be ready soberly. And so first, Christ wants us to be ready constantly. And look again back at verse 40. Jesus says, you also must be ready. And you say, well, why? He says, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. And so this is talking about the the second coming of Christ. And, And the Bible is very clear. No one knows the day or the hour. We don't know when it will happen. It could be today. It could be a thousand years from today. There's signs in scripture that it's coming and we look for those, but we don't know when it will arrive. But of course you think, well, statistically, it's been 2,000 years. Christ has not come back. It's more likely that I'll die rather than see the the second coming. But I think that, that there's this idea of readiness for the end also applies to death, because you could die today, you could die 50 years from today. We just don't know. And so the call is to be ready. And to drive this home, Jesus gives us these illustrations, actually four illustrations of of what it looks like to be ready constantly. And, And so look at that first illustration in verse 35. Jesus says, stay dressed for action. And if you're using the ESV Bible, like I am, um, or and I think other English translations will have sometimes a little footnote there on that verse. And if you follow it out to the margins, you'll see that, that the Greek, the original Greek, literally translates, keep your loins girded. 
And, and so the English translations think, well, your average reader doesn't know what a loin is and what it is to gird. Um, and so they, they try to just smooth it, smooth it out a little bit of you stay dressed for action. Uh, but it's not that hard to figure out what it is to gird your loins. Um, I, if you Google it, I actually Googled it, and, and there are these charts probably for Sunday schools or Bible studies that have, you know, what, how do you gird your loins? And it's kind of, it's kind of interesting, actually. Uh, but if you think of a first century man, um, or many even in the Near East today will wear robes, but if you think of it, it's very hard to run in a robe. And so if you need to move quickly, there was a way of kind of hoisting your robe up and tying it in such a way that you could run without your legs being obstructed. And so that's what he's saying. Be ready, have your loins girded. But if you look back then at that little marginal note in the ESV, it, it actually points you to a passage in the Old Testament as well. It points you to Exodus 20. And this is what we heard Herb read so, so beautifully for us. Uh, that this is the passage where, if you, if you remember your, your Old Testament stories, where um, God was bringing Israel out of the land of Egypt, out of bondage, out of slavery. And he kept telling Pharaoh over and over again, let my people go. He kept refusing stubbornly, sign after sign, plague after plague, still was not listening. And so eventually God prepared this, this final plague to come on the land of Egypt, that the firstborn children uh, would die. But that night, when, when the, the angel of death would go forth through the land of Egypt, God instituted the first celebration of Passover, which Jews still celebrate to this day. And, of course, there's a lot that could be said about Passover, the significance of God passing over, seeing the blood of the lamb. But also in Exodus 12, God tells Israel to, to keep their, their loins girded. He tells them to stay ready, to keep their sandals on, uh, to, keep, to be prepared to go at a moment's notice. He says, keep the staff in your hand. Because as soon as they heard the word from Pharaoh that they're free to go, they needed to be able to go immediately. No delay. And, and so that's the, that's the image for us here of how we should be spiritually, that we're, that we're always ready to go, to move spiritually, constantly ready. But then look at the, the second illustration. I guess you could almost call it an image. In that same verse, so look back at verse 35. It says, stay dressed for action, keep your lamps burning. Now that image as well can, can be slightly confusing for us in the, in the modern world because we wake up in the middle of the night and we just flip a switch and then we're ready to go. But I know this even for myself growing up in my early life in Colorado without electricity, that when you don't have electricity, it's harder to get up and go quickly, especially if you forget to put the flashlight by your bed. That, I mean, we have even trying to find your matches, trying to light the, the lamp. It's hard to do in the dark. It takes time in the dark that it's not easy to immediately get light and go. And so the, the image then is, is leave your lamp burning. Leave it on, on low so that if you wake up in the middle of the night, your, your loins are already girded, you're ready to run, um, and you have your light. So there's, there's no time even spent getting the light lit. And so again, that is how Christ wants us to be spiritually, constantly ready to go, having our, our light 
burning already. But then look at the, the third image or illustration there of being constantly ready, verse 36. He says, And be like men who are waiting for their master to come home from the wedding feast, so that they may open the door to him at once when he comes and knocks. Blessed are those servants whom the master finds awake when he comes. And so here he's saying, be ready constantly, like servants waiting for the master. He's, he's at a wedding feast. If you've been to weddings, they can drag on a long time. Um, and you don't always know when they're going to end. You don't know how long until you're going to get out. And it's not the age of cell phone. There's no calling to, to let know, oh, okay, I'm on the way home. And the door is locked, and so they have to be ready to open to him when he arrives. And, and with this one, I, I couldn't help but think of something that happened to me a few years ago. We had some friends visiting from New York, and they were supposed to be at our house about 10 p.m., and, uh, but it was delayed because of traffic in New Jersey coming out of New York. And so they were going to roll in closer to midnight. And so they texted me about 15 minutes before they were going to arrive and said, We'll be there in 15 minutes. I went out to the couch, sat down, was waiting for them. I fell asleep. I didn't wake up when they texted me. I didn't wake up when they called me. They knocked very softly because we just had Helen. And so they were afraid to wake up a sleeping baby. And so they were out there, I think, probably about 10 minutes. And then were thinking, oh, I guess maybe we'll go find a hotel somewhere. And thankfully, I woke up and let them in and was incredibly embarrassed. Uh, but that's essentially what Jesus is saying that we don't want to do. We don't want to do that, not just to the master of the house. He's saying we don't want to do that to the, to the God of the universe when he comes in glory to judge the living and the dead, that we don't want to be asleep. We want to be ready. We want to be prepared. But then there's this fourth image that he pulls in in verse 39, because that one is, is a kind of a positive image. You're ready for s someone that you presumably respect coming back. This one, he, he flips it to a negative image, but it shows another aspect. He says, And know this, that if the master of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have left his house to be broken into. You also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. And so here, Christ's coming again in glory is compared not to the master returning from the wedding, but actually to the thief coming at a time you do not expect. But again, the, the image is here, be ready constantly. You don't know when it's going to come. And if you knew, you would be prepared. And uh, again, I think of this for, for myself, that, that my job at, at home is to make sure the door is locked before we go to bed. And there's been several times where I'm laying in bed and I think, oh, I didn't check the door. It's fine. There, it's just one night if I don't go down and check it. And then I think, no, it only takes one night. I'm going to get up. I'm going to go check the door. And often it is unlocked. And so I'll, I'll make sure that the door gets locked because we need to be ready constantly. We don't know the time, we don't know the day, we don't know the hour. And so those are these, these four images then, be ready constantly, the uh, girded loins, light burning, servants waiting, homeowner watching. And so you take all of them together and you say, well, what do these images point to? What is this saying? And it's, and it's saying basically that the Christian life is a full-time occupation, that, that, that we're never off-duty in the Christian life. We're, we're always on call. It's not that we can just be a Christian sometimes, or maybe when we're in church, or maybe when we're with our, our family, but it, it's, it's a 24-hour, it's a seven-day-a-week thing that we are to be ready for the Lord. 
And so as you think about, about your life, and you think, am I ready? Are you ready? And, and, I, and as you reflect on that question, it's helpful to look at it through the lens of, of two big theological words uh, that, I th that can be helpful uh, diagnostic questions of whether or not we're ready. And so, so first is, is to think about your, your justification. Um, again, like some of you maybe know that word, some don't, but the, in the Bible, the word justification is a way of describing our right relationship to God. Are, are we justified? When, when we stand before God, are we going to be declared right or wrong? Are we going to be declared innocent or guilty? And, and what will be the basis of being declared in the right before God on the day of judgment? And the Bible is clear that, that we're not justified by our good deeds, by our ceremonies, by the things we do, uh, by even being a good person, but we're, we're justified, declared righteous in God's sight, only by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, for God's glory alone, as we know from Scripture alone, that that's the, the basis of acceptance. And so as you think about your death, or you think about the second coming and Christ coming in glory to judge the living and the dead, it's important to ask, am I justified? Have I repented and trusted in Christ? Am I ready? Am I standing before God clothed in the perfect righteousness of Jesus for me? Or am I trying to stand before God in the, the filthy rags of my own attempts to perfectly line up to God's standard? And if we're not in Christ, then we're not ready for death. We're not ready for the second coming. That this is the only way that we can truly be ready. But then there's another lens. So we said that there's a lens of, of justification, but there's also the lens of another big theological word, sanctification. Because according to the Bible, justification and sanctification always go hand in hand. Justification is being declared right in God's sight through faith in Christ. But sanctification is the, the fruit of that. It's, it's, it flows out of that. That somebody who is, is justified, who's in Christ, who's who's united to him through faith, will have this fruit of good works that flow out from our lives. And, and so the order is important, that, that, that our good works, in other words, are the effects flowing out of a life in Christ, not the way that we are accepted by God. And, and a really important distinction in the, in the Bible. And the, and the Bible teaches, though, that, that this is something that we should expect from, from our lives. The Apostle James is, is very clear that that. True living faith is a faith that works, that it's a living, active faith that produces fruit. Uh, the Apostle Paul says that, that we should examine the, the fruit of our lives to see if we are in the faith, that we should expect the fruit of the Spirit coming from someone who's in Christ. The Apostle Peter says that, that we should be holy even as God is holy, that we should make our calling and election sure. The Apostle John says that if we claim to believe in God, to believe in Christ, but we hate our brother or our sister, that, that we're liars, the truth is not in us. And Jesus says that if you love him, you'll keep his commandments. And so this is why Martin Luther, the, the great Protestant reformer, said that we're justified by faith alone, but not by faith that is alone. That 
as we're, we're saved by grace, that's what's flowing out from our life is, is, a, is a life that begins to, to change. It doesn't mean that we're perfect in this life. It doesn't mean that we have it all together. But there's this gradual growth through the grace of God and dying more to ourselves, living more to Christ. And so if we're, if we're not seeing that, um, then the, the, the answer is never just try harder. The, the answer is always to look back to Christ because it, it flows as a response to him to look at his perfect work for us, his grace for us. That's always the response to go back to Jesus as the foundation. And I say all of this because I think it has implications for this picture that Jesus is giving us of being ready constantly because he describes a servant who's found not ready, unready. He says that he, he's beating the other servants. He's, he's getting drunk. He's, he's not prepared. He's living unfaithfully. No fruit coming from his life. And that is not where we want to be when Christ returns. And so one tool in our toolbox of sanctification is, before we're doing something, is it to have this mindset that Jesus is calling us to. Of we, we, Jesus is coming like a thief in the night. He's coming when we least expect him. He's, and so being prepared, would I do this if Christ were to come back at this moment? Would I want to be doing this at the moment of my death? Am I prepared? Am I, am I living constantly in light of the reality of the future? And I think that, that for all of us, that would shape and, and even alter a lot of the ways that we think about life and, and priorities. And so that's our, our first point from this text, to be ready constantly. But the second is related. It's to be ready expectantly. And so, so look at verse 37. Jesus says, Blessed are those servants whom the master finds awake when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will dress himself for service and have them recline at table, and he will come and serve them. And I, we, can, we can miss it, but that's it's amazing. It's beautiful. It's it's glorious that he, he's saying that the, the master comes and the servant should be ready. They should be, be dressed for action, have the light burning. But then in, instead of the master then kicking back and having the servants serve him, the master has the, the servants recline and he serves them. And I'm sure that for the disciples hearing this for the first time, that might have been almost jarring. Wait, what are you, are you flipping the... The subject of this verb, who is the one doing the serving here? That it's, it's the master serving. And this is the picture of Jesus, that, that when he comes, it, it's not just that, that we are afraid or, or cowering, but, it, but, but he comes as, as the suffering servant. He comes as the one who come, who is, who's there not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And that Jesus, even at the Last Supper, he's the one who got on his hands and, and knees and washed the feet of the disciples. And so this is our expectation when he comes. Not just, not dread for those who are in Christ, uh, not a unholy fear, uh, but, but this, this sense of excitement and joy. Um, looking forward to, to this full display of the hospitality of Christ laid out before us, the, the most joyous, unimaginable day, um, beyond anything we can think, far more glorious than anything that we've ever experienced. But then look also at, at verse 42. 
he says that the, Jesus goes on, the Lord said, who then is the faithful and wise manager whom his master will set over his household to give them their portion of food at the proper time? Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will set him over all his possessions. And so again, you see the, the excitement, the, the joy here. It, it describes the one who is um, faithfully fulfilling the, the duties that the master has given. The master comes, and there's a, a reward that they are set over the whole household. They're, they're called blessed. And it's really what, what Jesus also describes in Matthew 25, where he says, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And it's not that we deserve a reward when he comes. We're still the, the unprofitable servants. That, that when, if he comes, we've only done our duty. We don't deserve a, a reward or to be given more. But th this is the amazing promise of the gospel that, that God, completely by grace, apart from anything we do, he justifies us. He gives us life. And then he gives his spirit, pours it into our hearts, begins to bring forth the, the fruit of sanctification, a life that's dying to sin, living to Christ. You know, and somehow, despite ourselves, we grow in grace in our lives. And then when Christ comes, he then rewards what was his work in us to begin with. He rewards the gift of his own grace, that it's just grace for grace. And so, as we're, as we're thinking about this, you know, I said, are we ready continually? But also, are we ready expectantly? Because there's a big difference between the way you think about your graduation versus your final exam. That before your final exam, you're nervous because you know that the outcome is riding on you. But, but when you're thinking about your graduation, there's, there's, you're expectant, you're excited, because it, it, the outcome has already been determined. It's, it's based on something that, that was in the past. And it's the same thing when we consider our, our death and this, the second coming, that if we're coming before God trying to justify ourselves, trying to save ourselves, then it's, it's like going to your final exam. Maybe you've studied enough, maybe you haven't. That's fearful. But then if you come before him resting in the, the completed once and for all work of Jesus, there's excitement. You're expectant. You're, 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 you're excited to celebrate what Christ has done, to celebrate the, the promise of God's grace in your life. And that is an amazing day indeed. And so we've said be ready constantly, be ready expectantly. But then third and finally, Christ wants us to be ready soberly. And, and look at verse 45. Jesus says that if the servant says to himself, my master is delayed in coming and begins to beat the male and female servants, and to eat and drink and get drunk, the master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him, and at an hour he does not know, and will cut him in pieces and put him with the unfaithful. And so Jesus is 
describing the, the return of the, the master and the, the servants who aren't ready, who were presuming that the master would never return, getting drunk, mistreating, abusing others. And it says that when he comes, that he will cut them in pieces, that he will put them with the unfaithful. And this is the, the image that, that Jesus is giving of his own return and glory to judge the living and the dead. That, yes, that for those who are in Christ, there's this excitement, this, this joy. But for those who are outside of him, there's this expectation of, of judgment that is sobering and that's actually terrifying. And you might think, well, see, this is why I don't go to church. <laughs> this is why I, I don't like the Bible, because it has these harsh judgmental things about, um, about judgment and, and people being sent away with the unfaithful. But I think that that's important to, to notice that, that as Jesus continues, he shows that this judgment is, is completely just, that it's, not, it's in no way unfair or unmerited. So look, look at verse 47 that it says, And that servant who knew his master's will but did not get ready or act according to his will will receive a severe beating. But the one who did not know and did what was deserving a beating will receive a light beating. That everyone to whom much was given of him, much will be required. And from him to whom they entrusted much, they will demand the more. And so you see what, what Jesus is saying. He's saying that, that no one is going to escape judgment. But the judgment's going to be fair. Because he's saying that those who, who didn't know... He said, we'll receive a, a light beating. And, and the Bible is clear that, that none of us are, are without excuse before God. This is the point of Apostle Paul in the book of Romans, that, that just the light of nature itself has enough that we're without excuse. We know that God is there. And so he's just to hold us responsible. But also scripture is clear that, that religious people don't get kind of a get out of jail free card. That there, there's no sense in which God's going to be lighter on those who consider themselves religious, but actually those who have, have heard more, have heard the gospel, have, have read the scriptures, uh, but yet then did not ready, were, were not ready, did not respond, that actually the, the judgment will be more severe uh, because to whom much is given, much is expected. And I think that is sobering especially to us who are, who are in church, are listening to God's word, that, that we will be held accountable for the, the knowledge that we have, for what God has, has given us. Um, and so this call to be ready constantly and expectantly and, and soberly. But thankfully, though, this is not the whole story in the Bible. Because if you look again at, at verse 46, it, it's, it describes the master coming. It says that, on the day when he does not expect him, and at the hour he does not know, he will come and he will cut him in pieces and put him with the unfaithful. And you say, well, that sounds very unfair of God. It sounds very almost unjust. But remember that, that God actually has given and provided a way of escape because God himself in the person of Jesus Christ entered into the world 
And it, and it says that, that, that when, he co- when God comes in judgment, that they will be numbered with the unfaithful. And that Jesus, though he was perfect, it says that he was numbered among the transgressors. And that, that Jesus on the cross, as, as his body was broken and his, his blood was shed, that he himself took that, that judgment. He took that final judgment on himself, that he was the one who was cut in pieces with the justice of God, put away from the presence of God for us. And he did it so that we can actually be forgiven, that we can have, have life in him, that we can know that, that it's not on us, that it's actually on the faithfulness of God in our place. 